Good morning, y'all. Good morning, kids. How you doing? You doing good? Good. Well, this is me. And um, our theme is eras, right? And so it took me a while to decide on one because I've had so many. And so um, I decided to go with my first era, okay? Um, the story I'm going to tell you uh, is going to be very hard for you to hear. And it's going to be very hard for me to tell. Um, but if you know me at all, you know that I never, ever back away from hard. So you're going to get hard. Um, and I ask you to bear with me and be kind, all right? Okay, this is my era. It's my very first era, before I was 10 years old. This is my mama. Isn't she beautiful? Uh, and my stinky brother is on that side. He's still stinky. Uh, and that little adorable little thing in the middle is me. Uh, my mom is, oh, late 20s. Uh, my brother is, I think, 10. And I think I'm six or seven in this picture. Um, but that's me, and I think we're cute as buttons. I grew up in Pinellas Park, Florida. Uh, I'm a Florida baby, and yeah, yeah, uh, and all that kind of thing. Um, and all of our pictures back in the ancient times were black and white, mostly. And this picture was taken with a brownie special, one of those box cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, my dad's in the picture too, but in those days we didn't have selfies or timers, so family pictures always had somebody missing because they were taking the picture, but my dad's there. But I grew up in Florida. It was a great life. We lived about three miles from the beach. Um, my daddy taught me to swim in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, he'd throw me out, waves went over my head, and, you know, you swim. Uh, he also taught me to swim underwater. He would put me on his back, and then he would, we'd take a deep breath, and I'd have my arm around his neck, and we'd go under. And I was supposed to pat him on the shoulder when it was time to come up. Well, the minute we got under, you know, I'm patting. But that's who I am. That's where I was. I mean, it was a pretty great life. But... Here's the hard stuff. By the time that picture was taken, I had been molested by my grandfather and his brother, my Uncle Willard, for two years. I'm six. Do the math. Those two relatives were police officers and well-respected in the community. But you know, in those days, we're talking you know, ancient days, 1950s, children were not given words like bad touch, good touch. We weren't educated at all for that kind of thing. We had no words to tell anyone what had happened to us. But the words I carried with me were the words I heard was, if you tell your parents, they won't love you anymore. If you tell your parents, I'll kill them, and it'll be your fault. 
Those were the words I had. And I carried those words with me, and I believed them. Um, so I never told my parents. I wanted them to love me. And I certainly didn't want to be responsible for anything bad to happen to them. I did eventually tell them. I was married when I told them. Um, I had this gift. I can remember way, way far back. My mom and I used to play a game. Uh, and I'd say, how old was I when I took uh, a June bug and tied a string around his leg and tied him to the table and his leg came off. That was our video games back then, okay? Don't judge me. Uh, and she'd say, oh, you were three. I went, okay, okay. Oh, how old was I when uh, I spent the night in the hospital and uh, I had pneumonia and I cried and cried and cried? And she'd say, oh, you were two. But I didn't have to ask her how old was I when Uncle Willard took me in his bedroom and showed me his service revolver? I was four. I didn't have to ask her how old was I when my grandfather took me to our cellar on the pretense of seeing our newborn kittens. I was five. She didn't know that, but that was my era. And it was that era where my life went off course before it even had a course. The trajectory of my life went somewhere in space. But I didn't have the words, I didn't know how to tell them. I knew what was happening to me was evil. I kind of knew evil, but the only evil I knew at that time was the guy who shot Bambi's mother. You know, he was evil. But that didn't, I couldn't compute what that meant in my life. One day, my grandfather uh, he had heart surgery. He was very ill. He had heart surgery. I was 10. And my mom and my grandmother went shopping. They asked me to stay with my grandfather, take care of him, make sure he's all right. We would play checkers. That was one of his grouping things, checkers. Um, and I, I was afraid. I was 10. I was afraid. But I thought, well, he's sick. I don't need to be afraid. He's sick. I don't need to be afraid of him. So they left. And my sick grandfather said, you want to see the new puppies? What 10-year-old doesn't want to see puppies, right? And I said, OK, sure. So we went outside, and we went down behind the garage, and there were the puppies. And I was holding one. And he attacked me from behind. But there's where the abuse stopped for me. I was 10. He was sick. And I pushed him away from me. And pardon my French, I kicked him in the kumquats. 
okay? <laughs> and he never touched me again. I think he was afraid that I would tell. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But when I was 16, he died. And at his funeral, uh, several of the girl cousins and I got together and come to find out he had abused all six of us. And we never told our moms or our uncles or our aunts because we were groomed not to. One does not come out of sexual abuse unscathed. Through the years, I've had anxiety. Um, in my 30s, for some reason, I had what I call my bout of bulimia. Lasted about six months. Didn't know where it came from. Fear of people, especially the male kind. So you don't come out of it unscathed. But what I did come out of it with that I think is one of my um, one of my gifts is that I have the uncanny ability that when I run across a young lady who has been sexually abused, I kind of know. I have another superpower, and it's kind of scary and crazy. But I also have this sense that when I come across a predator, I kind of know who they are. Look at that face. That is little Debbie Jane Cleveland, six years old. And in this picture, I know what she's feeling. I remember when this picture was taken. And I look happy. I'm clinging to my mama. And I had learned by this time to stuff everything that I felt, just deep inside. The hurt, the shame. But there I am. And if I could talk to her, if I could talk, oh, how I wished I could talk to her to tell her that that did not define her. It felt like it. In that picture, it felt like it. And I wish I could tell her. I would tell her. Well, I'm going to tell her. Hey. Hey, little Deb. The week after this picture is going to be was, is taken, something very, very special is going to happen to you. Your mama and your daddy are going to become Christians. And you watch them go into the water and come out and shake hands with God. And that changed everything for you. Because the week after that picture is taken, you were taken to Sunday school for the very first time. And you're going to walk in the room. And you're going to sit down. You're going to be a little scared. You're going to sit down. And you're going to look up 
and you're going to see a picture that you've never seen before. It's of a surfer dude kneeling before a boulder. He has sun-streaked hair and sandals. And I was told he was Jesus. In Florida, Jesus looked like a surfer dude. And on that Sunday, you are going to learn a song that you carry with you for the rest of your life. And that song is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It saved my life because Jesus loved this broken little girl. Baby girl, God didn't leave you. Oh, the next couple weeks, he's going to bring you your bestie. Her name's going to be Lynn, and she's going to have a frilly little dress on with frilly little socks and a crinoline where her dress, you know, sticks out to here. You guys know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And you're going to think, I will not be caught dead in that. But we become very, very best friends. Middle school, high school, college roommates, made and matron of each other's, in each other's weddings. And she was the very first person that I let my secret out to. And she took those words and brought them to her chest. And she helped save me. God brought so many angels Angels in people clothes to heal me and to grow me. The best one, oh, listen, listen, listen. The best one is going to be in college at Free Hardeman. He's going to be an Alabama boy. Oh, and you're going to think he's so cute. And he's going to come up to you. You're sophomore, no, freshman. You're of college. You go to college, by the way. And he's going to leave his date on the other side of the room. And he's going to come up to you and he says, uh, if I were to ask you out, would you say yes? It's Alabama. And everything in me wanted to say, well, no way, mister. You're having a date over here. And, of course, I, my head was like a bobblehead. And he went, yeah, sure, I'd love to, you know. Well, you married that guy. Right on. You marry that guy. That guy became a preacher. Believe that? You're going to be a preacher's wife. Hold on to your hat, okay? You're going to be a preacher's wife. But not only that, here's how God works, little girl. This is how he works. Your preacher guy from Alabama... He also becomes a counselor. And do you know who he counsels? Predators. Incarcerated pre predators, sexual predators. And their little victims. My little Alabama boy healed me. 
He knew what to say to me. He knew how to love me. That's what God does for us. And then one day, my preacher Alabama counselor guy asked me if I would write a short story about my experiences, because he knew my experiences, and he took them to his heart as well. And he says, I'm working with these kids, and I, they need to hear, they need to be given words to what's happening to them, because they don't have the words. And I didn't want to do it. It was hard. You're not going to want to do it, baby girl. But you do it. You do it. And that story, as I was writing that story, was the rest of my healing. I bawled and I cried and I hit stuff and I let it all out. And that story, the process of writing that story, finished up my healing. And that story today is being used um, with um, reach counseling is what it was called. And they use that story every year to reach children so they have a voice. God uses you. Your story touches and heals people. Why this happened to you, little sweet thing? God only knows. But he's using it to his glory. Know that. You were never broken. Ever. My story could have ended differently. These stories have all kinds of endings. I could have, alcohol and drugs could have taken me. I could have never been successful at anything. Successful relationships and marriage is near impossible when you experience something like that, unless, unless God brings into your life, which he will, if you let him, angels in people clothes. And they will heal you. And they will love you. Why I survived was love. Circle of love. And that's what he brings to you if you let him. Why do bad things happen to good people? God only knows. But God can use anything to bring glory to his kingdom. This is just for a few of you in the room, and you know it. Your trauma is real, but it should not, you should not let it define you. Okay? I pray that you feel God's hand on your back. I pray that the face of a friend, a teacher, 
a counselor, a grandmother, will come to you as an angel in people clothes and prove to you that God keeps his promises.